covering the municipal council meetings uh, at Upper Napan for the county, uh, where we'd have six reporters. That was Jeff DeGans, a career practitioner at Kansa Nova Scotia Works and a former broadcast journalist at CKDH for over 35 years. Stay informed, get involved. Welcome to the Great Amber's Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Cameron. Today's guest is Jeff DeGans. I wanted Jeff to come on to talk to us about the programs and supports Kansas offering for people who have lost employment during this crisis. He was also a broadcast journalist at CKDH for over 35 years and one of the founding members of CFTA in Amherst. So I wanted Jeff to come on and talk with us about the importance of local news to our community. Jeff also offers us ways as a community we can work together to support our local news. And finally, Jeff tells us about his most famous hire at CKDH. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Julie Ripley Gould with Hatha Yoga Studio in Amherst is now offering yoga classes online through Facebook Live. These classes are available to anyone who signs up and Julie is asking people who are able to to contribute what they can towards the classes. For those who can't contribute right now, please still sign up to enjoy the exercise and the community. For more information, follow Hatha Yoga Room on Facebook or online at hathayogaroom.com. And Simply for Life in Amherst is still open and they have moved their consultations with new and existing clients online. So yes, you can still enroll as a new client now. The market is also available for curbside pickups and delivery, and you can find more information on available products at facebook.com slash simplyforlifeamherst. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm here today with Jeff DeGans. Uh, Jeff is he's currently a career development practitioner at Nova Scotia Works Kansa in Amherst. And Jeff worked at CKDH as a broadcast journalist for close to 35 years and was one of the founding members of CFTA, the local community radio station in town. So welcome. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on. It's great to join you, Andrew. Perfect. And uh, at the outset, I I wanted to compliment you on uh, coming up with this idea. I think it's another important uh, media tool, I think, in bringing people together. I appreciate uh, that. Particularly at this, uh, I think, what is a very difficult time for everyone. Yes. No. I Working in isolation as we are. Yes, exactly. I I appreciate that very much. Um, Jeff, I wanted you to come on today um, to talk about local news. Uh, I just, I found for myself, there was sort of that first week where everything was being shut down and almost felt like every day there was something new that was changing. Uh, for me, I found it very tumultuous, very traumatic. Like it was, it was a very tough week. And one of the biggest pieces of news that really bothered me, really hit me, was that Saltwire laid off forty percent of their staff and shut down the weekly newspaper up here. And it, uh, yeah, it, it really bothered me that night. Mm. And and I wanted you to come on. Um, to talk about the importance of local news, like with your experience at CKDH and CFTA and talk about the importance of it and talk about the importance of local news and the benefit and the, and how it helps our community. So that was the topic I'd like to start with. So if you could um, either 
start with either the history of where we got where we're at or where we're at this point and then we'll move into sort of the the benefits and what it adds to our community if that works for you sure well i guess from the outset um uh, andrew i have to say that uh, i'm not entirely surprised by what has developed with uh, the amherst news yeah in uh, in the last couple of weeks um i think we have to look at a little bit of the history of what has gone on there yeah um i know we've seen the you know the the steady erosion of local operations over the past well, number of years now and it started of course with the sale of the uh, publishing of the uh, of cumberland publishing um it was a fairly large operation i uh if i'm correct i think they were somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 people who worked with cumberland publishing when you remember the uh, the old building down there on lawrence street uh, it was quite a set or a bustling activity uh, at one point. Uh, that has changed quite dramatically. Uh, as we know now, uh, the operation that we know as the Amherst News is down to, I think, two or three people. Um, people might remember as well that we had a, of course, we had the daily newspaper, the Amherst News, coming out five days a week. We also had the Citizen, which was a, a weekly newspaper. Uh, we can't forget we had the Spring Hill Record. We had the Oxford Journal, and uh, of course, those are those are all history now. Um, I guess uh, the Amherst News uh, has been our really our only source of printed news, um, and we know that there are still people out there who enjoy to have that piece of paper. You know, to have a newspaper. Yeah, in the morning with their cup of coffee. Yep. Uh, they like to have something they can hold in their hand. Um, so now readers in Cumberland County are, you know, we're no longer receiving that newspaper, at least not for now. Right. Uh, the big yes. question now is, um, you know, are we going to see a return of the Amherst News uh, post COVID-19? Yeah. Uh, they're, ta they're talking 12 weeks. Uh, I assume it'll be longer. Yeah, because that's that June. Be, 12 weeks would be about June or July. That's correct. Yeah. And then, of course, at that point, then the, uh, you know, it could be that the paper is history. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. Um, I suspect we'll eventually, we'll eventually be left with um, probably one provincial paper. Yeah. That's the Chronicle Herald. Um, and that will be, I guess, uh, at that point, we'll be, uh, we'll be getting a smattering of uh, news items from um, this part of the province. Yeah. But again, it'll be, you know, significantly diminished from what we have been used to getting in terms of, of local news. Yeah, I remember, like, as a kid, like getting the Amherst Daily News, and I think it would be like, Monday or Tuesday, I'd get it and I'd flip right to page five, right to the yeah. first sec, first page of the sports section, just so I could run through and check to see if I made it in, if I'd scored a goal or had an assist on the weekend or in the summer, go in like right to that page. You got to check the little league uh, stats, see, see who won the game last night. And it's, you know, I, I, it was sort of some of those memories I think were coming back when we're hearing about, you know, the Amherst news, you know, being, you know, not being, not being sent out each week. Those are sort of the, right. some, some of the thoughts. So it's sort of, so I guess that was a question, like from your point of view, either your time at CKDH 
what does the local news ecosystem or organizations, whether radio or paper, really, what do they add? What do they bring to, to our community? Well, I know that in the past, I hate reflecting on the past all the time, but we do have a, a senior demographic out there. And I know how much many of these people who lived in the smaller communities uh, were dependent upon that newspaper again uh, because of the content. Um, I don't know if you can recall, but they used to have, they had columnists from Advocate to Port Howe. And uh, granted, uh, much of the information may not have been important to us, but if you lived in Port Howe, it was always nice to read about your family and your friends and your neighbors and what they were up to and uh, what was coming up in terms of dinners and festivals and that kind of thing. And I think, you know, that connection is gone. Um, not likely to come back again, at least not in the form of newspaper. Uh, so what does that leave? That leaves us with, um, again, radio, uh, to some degree, television. Um, now what you're doing in terms of podcasts, uh, again, social media seems to be playing a more predominant role now, uh, something we didn't have 10 or 15 years ago. So, you know, that, that has changed the whole picture. And, and again, I think we're losing that connection to community which has been very important, I think, for all of us. Um, and again, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Little League uh, baseball scores on Monday morning. Um, you know, something that, again, a way of relating to, you know, the younger communities out there, the parents of the kids that hit that home run or won that ball game. So yeah. I remember going over, been... yeah, I was going to say, I remember going to my, my grandmother's, my dad's mom, Fern, kept him kept everything if myself or kelsey or dad or mom or any of my cousins were mentioned in the newspaper out came the scissors and she just yeah. cut it out and she just stuck it in a scrapbook and she just had it and she she had them all and it was uh she was very proud yes of it and to be able to show people and commemorate sort of everybody's successes and sort of what her family has been doing and well i can remember when my when my mother-in-law uh, passed away, and my mother as well, uh, going through their remains, the remains, these newspaper clippings, you know, files of newspaper clippings, and again, you know, seeing something that I did back in 1974, and there's a picture of me, and yeah, in, uh, you know, uh, somewhat uh, darker in terms <laughs> of uh, the beard and the hair, and the hair was a little bit longer, yeah, but uh, it. it, it it is interesting that uh, the newspaper became so important to them. Yeah. And I don't know, I think it's also important that I don't think we can go back to what it was. Like, I don't know if we can support because like, like I think like 30 years ago, like for yourself at CKDH, like there was a large, like you had a large staff and like, a, like a, there was like a large newsroom, right? Like yes. a, Interesting you should mention that about uh, the size of newsrooms. Um, I wouldn't say ours was large. We had three people, um, but we did have a staff of about 20, 22, which was, you know, fairly sizable. But that was, that was, the, uh, that was the average for 
um, radio stations uh, in that day. Uh, in the larger centers in the metropolitan areas, uh, newsrooms were, you know, 12, 15 people. Um, that's gone by the wayside. Uh, most radio stations right now in Atlanta, Canada, don't even have a newsroom. Yeah. Uh, that's gone. Yeah. I know that uh, at CKDH, um, I was the last of, of the news people in that operation. Yeah. Because the newsrooms died after that. Uh, everything became consolidated, uh, centralized. Uh, all the news came out of either. Well, in the case of New Brunswick, it might have been uh, one person in St. John delivering newscasts for the entire network in that province. Uh, in our case, it was somebody out of Halifax uh, delivering the newscasts. Uh, so, you know, where's where's the local content in that? I know, and that's the. I think that's the thing that I I also find missing. I mean, when I was growing up, I wasn't too concerned about municipal politics. Well, just it never registered as something important for me. And now getting a bit older, getting more involved, it's, I go, it's not, where do I go to find out on that? Find out anything about what's happening at town council or any of those sorts of things. And it's, it's a source of information I feel like is missing. And somebody had mentioned to me once that coverage of local news had also switched where it was covering events at city hall and what's happening in town to more features about people and the community members. Is that, did you see that transition? Like at CK? I did. Well, um, uh, not so much in radio as in newspaper. Yeah. And, uh, I think that came about as a result of somebody who I guess, uh, thought they knew, uh, what, what readers wanted and uh, determined that uh, those types of stories, you know, the, um, the personal human interest stories uh, would be what people wanted. Uh, now, I, I think that those are important. I'm not saying they aren't, but I still think that the solid um, local coverage of town council meetings, uh, of uh, events going on within your community, uh, you know, uh, for instance, uh, concerned citizens groups holding meetings on the environment or mm -hmm. uh, other issues pertaining to their communities, that those, those are important as well. But I think what was happening is that they were looking at the economics of covering mm -hmm. those meetings and felt, well, it's, you know, it, it takes manpower to be able to do that. And we don't have the, we don't have the staff to be able to staff those meetings. We're talking, you know, sometimes two or three hours. And then the reporter has to go back to uh, the office, write up the material and have it, you know, ready for the, the next day's paper. Uh, that became very arduous. And I think that the powers to be determined that uh, it was more efficient to, uh, you know, provide, I guess, the community with these more um, human interest stories. And, and I suppose with the human interest stories, they're not as timely. So you could almost write one, you know, this week, and if it gets published next week, it works out, that's okay. Whereas coverage of town hall, if you're a week late on it. Yeah, it, it's old news. It's old news and it doesn't, mm. it doesn't work. So it's, so that kind of raises you know, the, oh, go ahead. 
Well, I'm just going to say, Andrew, that I can recall uh, a number of years ago uh, covering the municipal council meetings uh, at Upper Napan yep. for the county, uh, where we'd have six reporters okay. covering the meeting. Right. Uh, you know, which was interesting. It showed you the amount of interest, uh, the level of interest, because you had someone there from the Oxford Journal, the Spring Hill Record, True. Uh, the, uh, you know, CKDH, uh, the Amherst News, uh, you know, oftentimes the Citizen or whatever. Mm. So, you know, the, it, these meetings were, were well covered. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a tough one or it's an interesting one on, you know, I think like those business models may not be tenable anymore. Like, no, you know, we probably can't support a 20 person you know, new or not newsroom, but radio station in town. But it sort of becomes a question like moving forward for us. Like, I think, how do we support or grow a, a local news organization or news group? Do you have any thoughts on um, what we do or well, how you know, we forward? It, well, you know, it's interesting. We have, we now have the technology today, um, which makes it, uh, I think facilitates the process of being able to do the kinds of things we couldn't do uh, 20 or 25 years ago. So in one way, technology has been, um, uh, have, has been a, an important step forward. Um, I, I think where we have to be very careful is, uh, you know, who we're sourcing for our information, mm -hmm. how reliable mm -hmm. is it? How accurate is it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is something that concerns me today. Um, I mean, we can still turn to the major networks like uh, CTV and CBC and Global News and, you know, know that we're, you know, to uh, to some degree, um, what we're seeing and hearing is uh, is accurate and reliable. Um, but, you know, if you're getting is if the source of your news is uh, what you're seeing on Facebook every day. Um, I think you've got to be very, very careful about how you discern uh, the kind of information you're receiving. Yeah, I think, yes, I think that's a very interesting and very important topic and something to think about. And I think that's sort of in, and that may be where we're missing, like without in the community, without having the local news, I want to say, we'll say local, like, fact-based reporting mm. and you know these are the events or this is what happened at the council what are we what's filling that void or how is that void being filled and what does that do for our community you know that's you know because i think with use facebook has added a lot to being able to share events share things like that it's also it's hard to make sure you see everything that's going on if you're not following the correct person or the correct group, you may not get notification about the event that you really want to go see or you want to go do. It's, uh... And, I, and I, th I think as well, you have to uh, take into consideration the, um, the individual who's putting out that information. Um, you know, how qualified are they to do that? That's one thing that I am concerned about, that uh, not everybody has uh, the credibility to be able to uh, look at the information that they're they're putting to the public and, I guess, doing the proper research, um, being uh, 
fair and unbiased. Um, and, and those are traits that uh, unfortunately, uh, too, there's too many people out there don't have. And, and it's too easy to do. Just go, oh, I'm going to yeah. create this news article and go. So yeah. that was the question I was going to ask. How did you, how did you get into broadcasting and broadcast journalism? Um, well, uh, I came to it, uh, I guess, via university. Mm -hmm. uh, had my interest uh, in, in news, actually, in university, where I worked on a, uh, the, the uh, news school paper, the school newspaper, um, and got involved in the university, the campus radio station. Okay. Uh, so that's where I developed my interest. Right. And uh, from there, upon graduation, um, I had pretty well, you know, set my mind on what I wanted to do, which was something in broadcast journalism. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's where it took me. Okay. See, that was something else I was thinking or wondering about was um, it, with smaller community radio stations having fewer people, has it changed the career path or the career trajectory for people who are moving up sort of in the reporting or in the journalism news? Are there fewer opportunities for people to get involved in the industry or have they shifted? Have, have you? Well, un unfortunately, I think there are fewer opportunities. Um, I know that uh, we have schools uh, with very good programs right now. There are a few universities across the country that have uh, very good communication arts programs. Yeah. Um, Nova Scotia Community College has a program uh, uh, that they offer at the uh, Waterfront Campus in Dartmouth, uh, which is uh, very good too. So I think this is helping um, individuals for level entry jobs. But the thing is that they, they're far, few and far between right now. Um, some people are making the jump very quickly. Uh, if you're very talented, uh, chances are, if you were to get an internship, let's say with, uh, you know, CTV in Halifax, uh, or Moncton or CBC in Moncton, uh, that could be your, your, you know, your point of entry into the industry. But, uh, again, those jobs and opportunities are few and far between. Yeah. It's so. a, yeah, it becomes, that becomes a bit of a challenge. Um, I do want to move on to another topic in a second, but I think it kind of ties into this question or conversation about, you know, like, as you say, people who are very talented moving up sort of the ranks in it very quickly. So could you, could you take a, take a minute and tell us a bit about, I would assume is probably your most famous hire that you made at CKDH. Well, uh, I guess we have to be talking about Ian Hanuman Singh. Yep. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, it was interesting because um, I can recall the early days when uh, uh, Ian uh, came into the radio station. He came in actually uh, as a student who was working okay. on a high school show for Tantramar Regional High School. Okay. Okay. And um, I can recall uh, he was on the air one Saturday afternoon doing his radio show and i heard him and i said this guy's a natural um you know so the opportunity came up for summer employment and um he jumped at the opportunity to uh have a summer job with ckdh and for him 
you know, that was, I think he was 17 years old at the time, getting ready to go off to university. And he thought, wow, this, this is great. Um, his first venture into radio was as, uh, uh, well, he, he was to work in the newsroom uh, as a newsreader on, uh, uh, you know, he started in the weekends and then he went uh, working weekdays. Um, but he, um, he had a love of music. Okay. And I think his first interest was to be uh, a disc jockey. Okay. And uh, there were a few times that, um, you know, he would tend to gravitate towards the record library. All right. Okay. And loved to spend his time in the record library. And, and I can remember on one occasion saying to, e, to Ian, uh, Ian, your, you know, your future isn't as a DJ, uh, you know, you're here to do news and let's stick to the news. <laughs> so, you know, and that of course led to other opportunities. Uh, mm. He moved on from working with us uh, to uh, going to um, uh, CKCW in Moncton. And it was interesting because he, uh, he typed me a long letter uh, feeling rather guilty that uh, he thought he was, you know, letting me down okay. by, moving, by moving up and going off to CKCW. Uh, in Moncton. Uh, in Moncton. Uh, so he was very apologetic about that. And I told him, Ian, look, you know, here's a chance to, to advance, you know, take it. Uh, who knows where it's going to lead you? Exactly. And uh, of course, he went on to uh, study law at Dalhousie. And while he was getting or taking his law degree, uh, he was working as well part time uh, for CBC in, uh, in Halifax. And uh, well, he kind of put the uh, his future as a as a lawyer on hold, and uh, went into radio. And the rest is history. Yeah. Now, thirty years later, he was one of the four co-hosts of the National, and now sing, sole co-host on the the Weekend Edition. Yes. The National, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had uh, I had dinner with Ian about uh, oh, it would have been three or four months ago. Oh, did you? Yes. Yeah. Here in Amherst. Yeah. He was home visiting his parents. He was, uh, he had a week off and uh, yeah. contacted me and we got together and uh, went out to dinner. Oh, nice. So, I, yeah. I remember the reason I thought about, or reason I want to bring this up is I remember seeing this was three or four years ago. Um, a tweet came across, I was going through Twitter and all of a sudden it was mm. Ian Hannah Mansing, like an old picture of him with commenting, you know, Thank you to Jeff DeGans. Mm. I've forgotten that he was from Sackville and, you know, lived or worked over here. And I went, oh, so anyway, I, I remember that and I thought, so I said, you know what? I got to bring this up. I got to ask. There may be a lot of people who don't know or don't remember that he. Well, we, we've kept in contact and um, I, you know, I have to add that uh, Ian is uh, just a very humble, down to earth, nice guy. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's no, uh, what should I say? There's a lot of people in this industry, in the broadcast industry who, you know, have been known to have, uh, fairly large egos. Um, but, uh, Ian certainly isn't one of them. No, I think that comes across. I think you can yeah. always tell that. Oh, Very perfect. Sincere. I'm, yes. I'm glad you're able to, uh, to share that little bit of a story. Uh, I do, I do want to talk to you a little bit about, um, different things you may be doing to sort of manage extra stress or anxiety going on here. Mm. But 
first, I have, uh, want to take a quick moment to hear from one of our uh, local our sponsors. So this one, again, this, this promo is for, again, all of our local restaurants. There's, you know, the Art of Eating is still open doing deliveries. Uh, I think Bambino's I see is still open. Uh, Birkinshaw's is doing deliveries. Uh, Frank and Gino's uh, is doing deliveries as well. I think Zito's Walk is still open. Um, there's a lot of the restaurants that are still open, still getting food out. You know, you can't eat in there right now, but they will still, you can still call ahead. You can put some people you can order on Facebook, like D&E Meats, our bar, backyard barbecue and smokehouse. Uh, they're all open. I probably missed a few. So please let me know. Um, I'm, I might add that we uh, uh, we have uh, ordered supper tonight for from D&E's. So oh, nice. Just to, put, just to put a plug in for Dan and his team. Perfect. That's excellent. The other thing I was going to say is, I think it was as of March 30th, you can now order alcohol with your delivery from restaurants. And I think this, the, it's, as long as it's not, as long as the alcohol is not worth three, more than three times as much as your food, you're okay. Mm. So I'm kind of curious and knowing our restauranters, they'll figure this out. And I can see sending beer, but if you order a glass of wine, I'm kind of curious to see what they do, how they get that to you or, you know, a mixed drink, but I have no doubt they'll figure something out. So one thing I've asked a lot of our other um, guests and people who've been on the podcast is what have you been doing either differently just to manage sort of the extra stress and anxiety that's going on right now? Have you? Well, um, it's interesting because I was telling somebody last night, um, well, I was in, in a group discussion and uh, we were talking about how we were managing through this and how we were coping. And um, uh, this, what, you know, this is getting personal here, but uh, as some of your listeners might or might not know, um, I went through a challenging year last year with a, uh, a health crisis of my own, um, you know, came through that and, uh, you know, uh, by the grace of God, I'm, I'm much better feeling great. Uh, you know, got, got a pretty good bill from bill of good health from my, yeah. uh, my doctor just recently, just before this whole great. pandemic thing started. So I yeah. was very pleased with that. Um, and as a result, um, I found that, you know, I've been able to, during that period of time, uh, work on my coping skills, I think, mm. and spend a lot of time looking at, you know, taking care of my mental health. Right. Uh, because I realize it's important that, um, you know, your, your mental health affects your physical health. Mm -hmm. And I think by, by doing that and going through this process of learning how to cope with a crisis that it's, uh, it's certainly helping me now that we're right. in this situation. So that's, you know, that's how I see it now. I, again, on a personal note. Yeah. It's uh, the, I think it's, it's sort of underrated sort of the, the mental health struggles that can come from mm -hmm. something like this, like that it's everybody's stressed more, just every sort of everybody's baseline of stress has increased and so managing your mental health becomes more difficult while you're 
under sort of under these under these extra pressures and under these extra concerns and worries. Yeah. Like it, it's a challenging one. I uh, I was thinking about it this morning actually. In it's a pretty big as long as, but as long as you can kind of set aside the fact we're in a global pandemic and people are getting sick. I've kind of enjoyed how things have slowed down. That's true. And I think uh, my brother had a good point when I was talking to him uh, a few days ago. And he said, you know, in a way, uh, it was meant to be that Mm -hmm. uh, now we're seeing the planet is the planet is being given an opportunity to heal. Mm, Um, Right. You know, and I think because most of us now are spending more time with family. Yeah. Staying close to home. We've slowed our pace. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, that was a, I think a big concern was that uh, everything was go, go, go. Had to be to yeah. this meeting and that meeting had to get the kids off to, um, uh, you know, uh, hockey or yep. whatever it might have been, soccer. Yep. Um, dance. Uh, had to go here and there. Had my work as well. So I think when you're balancing, you know, a lot of these these uh, day-to-day issues, um, you know, this is a, a nice break from that. Yeah. As, as long as you can set aside the, <laughs> what's causing us to have this break, but. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, we're taking time to breathe, hmm. which we haven't done for a while. Yeah. So it, it has its positives again. You know, I'm not in any way trying to downplay the seriousness no, of this whole situation. Yeah. Um, because it is serious and we're hoping that uh, people continue to listen to the health experts, to the yeah. science, uh, and realize that um, it's, uh, it's for our good. Fortunately, it came when it did, uh, and that we weren't, we weren't inflicted with this, let's say, back in November or December. Oh, I know. Because it would have been a dreadfully long winter. Yes. So at well, least we have something to look forward to now with spring. Yes. And so and as long as when people get outside, they still maintain the the social distancing and the six feet. Correct. Our, uh, yeah. We made the rule on our street, like on our cul-de-sac with the kids were out because there's a number of kids in our neighborhood that are same age as our daughter. The rule was that we eventually came to, they could be out as long as they're all on bikes. Because then if they're all on bikes, they weren't getting too close to each other and weren't climbing on each other and they could get out and get their exercise. So, right. so the last few days with the poor weather has been a bit tougher and a bit more of a challenge uh, challenge for everyone but you know we will get we will get through this um yeah to quote our prime minister yes right we will get yeah. through this that's exactly it yeah so andrew if we could if we could come back to there was a question that uh, you had sent me and i i thought it was a an interesting sure. one and and uh how as a community uh, do we support local news organizations right. and groups? And um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I noted where on occasion um, the managing editor of the local Amherst mm-hmm. News, uh, yeah. Daryl Cole, has made mention of the fact that, you know, you've got to, I guess, you've got to support us uh, in terms of, you know, advertising, yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. readership, if you expect the paper to survive. And, uh, you know, it might sound mercenary in these difficult times where people aren't thinking about buying advertising, 
Uh, but overall, if we're going to expect to have a, a local newspaper and uh, local radio, uh, we have to support them. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm putting a word out here right now for, you know, CFTA sure. as an example. Yep. Um, I think that they've gone above and beyond to provide, you know, uh, the local community with all the latest information on this COVID uh, epidemic or pandemic. Um, they've been they've been helping businesses by, you know, putting out the information of who's yep. open, who isn't. And, you know, I hope that many of these um, business people, once this, once we ride through yep. this storm, that when we come out on the other end, that they will remember mm -hmm. this. And that, you know, when it comes time to spend your advertising dollars, uh, that you'll consider spending mm -hmm. them locally, just as we would expect us as citizens to support yes. local. Uh, and I think that includes your mm -hmm. local media. So I just put that as a message to uh, anybody in the business community. Uh, if you can, please, you know, show your support for uh, these yeah. operations because they will not continue to exist if they don't have the yeah. revenue stream. I'm with you on that as well. We've actually, we've had a standing ad in the Amherst News for a while, as much for this reason as anything mm. else. But I think the other thing is as citizens, we need to use and interact with, you know, the newspaper and the radio and let the businesses know that their ad worked, right? Like I saw your ad in the paper. I heard your ad yes. on the radio and maybe, so if we use it as citizens and see the ads and, and then act on them, that helps reinforce the benefit of the paper and the working of, of the advertising. So it's, I'd add that on. Yeah on top that everybody has a role to play in it, I think. And I can recall back many years ago, your father making that very point when he was uh, running businesses here yeah. in this community. I yeah. actually, I, I was thinking about this before we started talking today, when we, when we started building our subdivision down off Derby street and we had our first house up, we had an open house. And I think my father was the most excited. I mean, he was happy and he was pleased about having the house done, getting it ready there. But I think he was the most excited about like reaching out to yourself at CFTA. And I think Dave March may still have been out at CKDH and reached mm -hmm. out to you guys and setting up and doing live call-ins and getting right on the air and promoting and talking. And I think that, I think that was his, I think that was the party he had the most fun with that whole day. And I hope it worked. <laughs> yes. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. um, thank you very much for coming on Jeff. Um, one thing sort of before we wrap up, uh, I did mention right at the beginning, you are a career development practitioner at Nova Scotia Works in Kansa. And I wanted you to just take a couple minutes and just talk about what you do there and if people need help or people need services or how you're still working with your clients or. Well, sure. Um, of course, we're not providing face-to-face -face services mm -hmm. right now, uh, you know, for all the reasons we've talked yeah. about earlier. However, uh, Nova Scotia Works Kansa is still providing services to our clients. And when I say clients, I'm talking about uh, job mm -hmm. seekers and business mm -hmm. people, uh, because we do have a uh, employer engagement specialist who works with, uh, with our business yep. community. 
So these services are still being provided uh, through email, okay. uh, through mm -hmm. phone. Um, I, I can be reached uh, through my email at jeff.degans at kansa.ca. Okay. Or you can call our number 902-661-1509 and you can leave, you leave a message. Uh, we have uh, a staff mm -hmm. of 13 at Kansa. Uh, we serve, we provide employment services to all of Cumberland County on behalf of uh, the province of Nova Scotia. Uh, we have a contract uh, with Employment Nova Scotia to provide those services. Um, and uh, they include everything from helping you with your job mm -hmm. search, and that could be uh, with resume writing, uh, with uh, career counseling. Um, it could be uh, our various programs that we have. We offer several different workshops. Uh, you may be looking at retraining, uh, and uh, you know you have that opportunity. There is funds available uh, through skills development uh, so that you can be funded to go back mm -hmm. to school. Uh, we can explain all of those uh, rules and regulations and procedures to you as well. So again, um, there's an array of services that we're, we're able to provide. Um, again, uh, you know, it's a little more difficult right now, but we certainly are on top mm -hmm. of it. We're looking at uh, technology that we hope to introduce in the next couple right. of weeks uh, to, uh, you know, establish that face-to-face -face contact with our clients. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, you know, despite the difficult times, uh, we're, we're still busy, we're still doing what needs to be done. And I might add that there are still jobs mm -hmm. out there. You know, there's a lot of people think that uh, the job market has dried up, but it hasn't. Um, you know, we have, uh, for instance, uh, I'll give sure, you some perfect. examples. Um, Loblaws, uh, Sobeys, right. uh, Oxford Frozen yes. Foods, uh, anybody who's in the food processing uh, business, uh, uh, as well security jobs are big right now if you're True. looking yeah. to do security work. Yeah, uh, healthcare, yes. uh, there are opportunities for people who are in healthcare. Uh, there might be retired uh, nurses, physicians, um, you know, LPNs, whatever. Uh, your services are yes. still needed, so I suggest you get in touch with the uh, Nova Scotia Health mm -hmm. Authority. So again, uh, you know, there are still jobs for people out there. Uh, it, the market hasn't totally no. dried up. Uh, as well, there are a number of programs that have been announced in uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, both federally and provincially. Oh, right. So I, I'd suggest that you go on the, um, the government mm -hmm. sites and find out more. If you happen to be at this point, uh, you're unemployed, um, you're a small business and you need help, there is help yeah, for you. Yes, I think they've done a, I think both federal and provincial governments have done a great job of getting these programs out, get them announced. Um, some of the details we're working through, but I think they've, I think they've helped yeah. a lot. And I think they will help a lot. And I know that, you know, when, when I use the word patience, uh, that's a difficult Patience is, is yes. a virtue and it's difficult at this time in what we're going through to practice it. But um, please mm -hmm. be patient because uh, again, a lot of these programs are going to take a little while to roll out, but they're coming, you know, it recognizing the emergency situation we're in 
they'll be rolled out faster than they normally would be. No, I, I, I agree with you. Ed. And so I will, um, I'll, I'll put a link to your email and I'll put a link to the cancer website and phone number in our, um, in our show notes so that if there's anybody out there that is looking for any of the career counseling or job training or any of the supports that you offer, you can email yourself, call the office, uh, and ask. That yeah. would be great. And as well, they can check on our uh, cancer.ca site. We have um, a job, uh, the job postings, right. and those are being okay, done daily. Perfect. Great. So uh, they're okay. all up to date. Excellent. Okay. Well, very much. I, I appreciate you very much for coming on, Jeff. I think it was, um, I enjoyed the conversation. I think it's, I think it's important for us to think about local news and our community and how that all interacts so that you know as we as sort of the economy in the town comes back online we can make choices that really help support those organizations and help support our community so i greatly appreciate the conversation well thank you for the yes. opportunity andrew i really enjoyed yes, very it very good thank you jeff for coming on the podcast you're welcome to come back anytime that you'd like. For those of you still listening, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or where you're listening right now to make sure that you don't miss an episode with more local conversations and local stories. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode, so please stay tuned.